everybody, welcome to this episode 15 of the Medical Home Podcast. My name is Tony Lemke, I'm a GP in Austinville, New South Wales, and Executive Director of the Australian Centre for the Medical Home. Do your patients ever have to wait for you in your practice? Did you know that waiting is the most common complaint patients make about the general practitioner? However, some GPs seem to never keep their patients waiting, and yet they leave the room commenting on how thorough they were. We might all endeavour to be such a time lord at least to take whatever um, efforts we can to reduce waiting time for our patients. Now, uh, in a recent QI community webinar, I spoke to Andrew Knight, who's done some thinking about this, and we thank the Improvement Foundation for allowing us to use this recording for our Medical Home podcast. G'day, Andrew. Hello, Tony. Hi, everyone. Andrew, would you like to introduce yourself? Thanks, Tony. Yeah, I'm, I'm a GP primarily, so I've been in general practice for 30 years. I currently work at the Academic Primary and Integrated Care Unit in southwestern Sydney, um, which used to be called the GP unit. And we run a clinic, but we also do stuff to try and improve the integration of care in our region, research, teaching and clinical service. Today, we thought we'd talk about attempting to reduce the time patients spend waiting in our practices for us. Andrew, is this important? Is this an important issue for patients? Should we do something about it? Tony, I think it is a really important issue for patients. In fact, I think it's more important for patients than we realise. I mean, these are our workplaces and we get used to them and we get used to the way we do things. Um, and I think we probably get a little bit desensitised to just the impact on people's lives of the weight. It's also, I guess, something that we sometimes feel we don't have much control over and that can really, um, I think we, then we have trouble perhaps addressing it because we, it's beyond our control. Interestingly, um, when we wrote the recent article for the Australian Journal of General Practice, we looked at some of the literature and it emerges that actually when you survey patients, the weight in the waiting room is one of the most important things in terms of their satisfaction with their general practice. Um, so a European study of 10 countries, time in the waiting room was the, the thing that they mentioned as giving them least satisfaction. And it impacts on the consultation. Long time in the waiting room decreases satisfaction with the GP. So they're really important issues that I think we really need to face up with, face up to. And you and I were in a talk with the uh, boss of the um, Productivity Commission in Australia, where he said that the loss of productivity related to waiting and waiting rooms, they estimate at a billion dollars. In gen that's in general medicine, specialist and ED waiting rooms, a billion dollars. And Andrew, it also affects uh, well-being as clinicians provide in the service. I know that when I'm behind with my appointment schedule, it creates that sort of pressure cooker atmosphere. And mm. uh, it's not, there's nothing quite like being in the zone where you're running on time. Mm. I agree. Um, earlier on in my career, I used to regularly run an hour late and it just created stress. And being stressed all day, every day, is an unpleasant way to work and it does not need to be like that. We shouldn't have to start every consultation with an apology. Mm. Which brings us, Andrew, we looked at, um, we collected 10 tips um, for helping doctors run to time and we might mm. run through those 10 tips if that's okay with you. Tip number one was about that question of culture or expectations. Mm. If you're 15 minutes late, I used to 
think, geez, I'm running on time. But in mm. fact, 15 minutes late does not mean that you're early. No, that's right. And I think that's a matter of readjusting our minds and a lot of the evidence of patient attitudes to say, I'm actually going to run on time. So that'll have all sorts of implications. It'll mean you're actually there early enough to do stuff, all the stuff you need to do before you start seeing the patient. Um, you know, are we des desensitised to it? Um, do we think, okay, I'm on time now, I can have a break, so I run even, yeah. So there is self-care. I think you can't flog yourself and hate yourself for running late. Um, general practice is unpredictable. We will run late. We have to give ourselves permission to do that. But psychologically, I think we need to commit ourselves to a culture where we are committed to being on time and we organise ourselves to do that. I think it begins with that attitude. Have you gone, Tony? Yes, I think Tony's gone. Sorry, I've lost webcam. I think I'm back again now, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah, um, so, as a quality improvement, we're hoping that our practices will consider, as always, improving waiting times, a quality improvement initiative. And one of the things that some of our practices have done with this 15 minutes late doesn't mean you're early, is to start tracking doctors' starting times. You can keep a running tally in your waiting room. When the first doctor's appointment was at 9.30, what time he actually called the patient in. Mm. It's very hard to make up if you start late. And if you're used to being very late, then 10 minutes past nine, quarter past nine, 20 past nine, sometimes feels all right. Perhaps mm. it is a quality improvement program to, to start tracking those times. Mm. We, the other the tip, tip to Andrew was about warming up, being prepared for the consultation. Mm. Mm. This is something that really impacted, that struck me. I, you know, you, you're running late and then you run out of um, uh, pathology request paper. So you've got to go out and find it or, you know, and that happens over and over again. And I realised that if you if you do that in every, you know, 10, 10 seconds in every consultation, uh, it, uh, half a minute in every consultation, it, it all adds up. You, that is a consultation that you've lost. Um, Two minutes in all 30 consultations, you're an hour late. Yeah. It just adds up. So so you've got to think, prepare, prepare for the day. Do I do I want a jug of water? I need it on the desk before I start. I need to look at the stuff. This is something that you can set a system in place. You can actually get the staff to say, is the room all ready to go? And you can do it yourself. Is your computer switched on and ready to go? I, I like to have a um a filing cabinet drawer with all the resources and, and the classic one was the antenatal shared care protocol. Am I ordering all the right tests? You know, you need to be, have that right to hand so you can pull it out and order the right tests at the right time. I think there's, you can gain, easily gain a 15, 15 minutes by being on the ball, prepared, warmed up, ready to go for the day. Absolutely. And now Andrew, uh, tip number three is something we've written, we've covered in previous QR community webinars, which is about uh, working your diary. So knowing that some patients are going to be acute or fittings and knowing how many there will be on a certain day, identifying the acute stream and the routine stream and not acting surprised when there are 53 fittings every Monday and 28 every Tuesday, being prepared for that in the way that our diaries are constructed. Yep. Look, I think that's right. That's something that you and I have talked about a lot. There's actually quite a lot of thinking about this. You can measure how many people come in every day. You can measure how many appointments you've got. And that will then, uh, you can measure how many acute appointments you need every day. And that will then allow you to plan so that when those acute appointments are requested, they don't make you late because you're not fully booked. 
Um, you can read some of our articles about that. Um, they're, they're referenced in, in this article. Uh, but there's some simple things that we can do and something that absolutely revolutionized my working day was to simply block out the right number of appointments every day. And for me, that was about 30%. So uh, I would block out um, maybe seven appointments every day. And that helps me to, to run on time because I know there's gonna be that kind of acute demand. It does blow your chronic weight out. And that's a bit what Tony's talking about because he's talking about the different streams. Uh, and you can think about that. There's some people who need an appointment uh, uh, when they can plan it. There's other people who need the appointment today. They're kind of two different streams. So I think a, a really great rough rule of thumb is to think about that 30%, which means that then you're not trying to, to double book um, and, and fit people in or squeeze people in because there really isn't any such thing as fitting in and squeezing people in because, you know, time is time. Um, and there's a lot of strategies uh, for handling that acute demand particularly because that's what we often neglect to handle. Many practices were through the collaborators we learned run this Jeopardy doctor system where you know if you've got four or five doctors, one doctor at any given time is there to uh, to accept the acute people. Um, people with an acute issue usually don't necessarily need to see the doctor who knows them very well. Um, uh, whereas people with a chronic condition, it's much more efficient for them to see the person who knows them well. So having the Jeopardy doctor system can make a big difference. Um, some of these things are whole of practice systems I know but some of them are under our own control. Certainly in our practice, I was able to just get them to block out my 30% every, every um, day and, and that works really well for me. All right, thanks Andrew. And tip four is about uh, if there is some waiting time, making it productive. Andrew, how do we wait the wait? <laughs> Tony mocks my, my title of tip four. Um, Look, it is time, it's dead time in, in one sense, but can you take advantage of it? If you've got a practice nurse, can that person take a blood pressure, uh, collect and test urine, perhaps organise request forms, perhaps uh, do some of the things required uh, for the diabetes check so that when they get into you, you don't have to do those as the GP uh, and that saves you some time. Um, uh, can you increase your, your patient's ability to self-manage? during their time in the waiting room, which means that they can then not need to come so often. It's a long-term strategy, but clearly it's a useful time. Wait the wait, you know, get, get, some, uh, get some more value into that wait time. So Andrew, our, our next series of tips is about what we do during the consulting. Mm. And you talk about the golden minute and we had Larry Baker in our previous webinar, who talked to us about um, helping our patients uh, in improving their lifestyle. But one of his great tips is to have a 10 second meditation before you call each patient in to think to yourself, what will this patient need today? How can I help them? What are their particular attributes that I know about? Just breaking off from the previous patient and preparing your mind for being as helpful as you can for the patient to come, forming a bit of a break in your consultation thinking and, and allowing yourself to be prepared for the, the patient coming in front of you. Mm. Yeah, this is really about how we consult. And yes, I think the, the thinking before the consultation begins about how, uh, you know, clearing your mind, uh, doing your, your housework to um, prepare yourself for the next consultation can make you more efficient in the consultation. Um, 
you're less distracted. So you, you actually consult more efficiently and your time is better used. And I guess this tip is really about the whole art of, or science of consulting and constantly improving the way we consult. And we know that the first few moments of a consultation are absolutely key to the efficiency of that consultation. Um, this refers to the, the idea that getting our nonverbal cues right can really make a big difference. So eye contact, using a patient's name, uh, warm vocal tone, a smile, the body posture you use can make a difference to how the consultation goes. Um, uh, and, and more, it can make it more effective and more efficient. And so if you're constantly uh, improving your ability to consult, you will run more on time. Um, and so one of the things, the description of the time lord is yes, running on time, but also not appearing rushed. And that's all part of our consulting skills as well. The ability to attend to the patient in a way that they feel attended to and to, that you get everything out at the right time. Is, is absolutely key. So that's the idea of the beginning of the consultation. So we're not hearing you, Tony. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Andrew. The, the the next tip was about, um, and this is a very important one, of what can we do for today? Getting that patient's agenda and getting their full list up front. Is there anything else? Is there anything else? Find out everything you'll be dealing with. Mm. Yeah, look, in my GP registrar teaching days, I think this is the thing that registrars, one of the most important things I could teach a registrar was the idea of getting the agenda out at the beginning of the consultation. So remaining silent until the patient's finished speaking. Um, seems like it's counterintuitive. You think they'll just go on speaking, but in fact, they don't. Uh, most patients will stop speaking uh, by by 60 seconds and almost everybody by 150 seconds will have stopped speaking and then you've got the patient most of the patient's agenda uh, and then asking you know was there anything else you wanted to cover that allows you then to see what you're hoping to address in that time and and then you can think well does it fit with our 15 minutes maybe not or maybe we can address this and this quickly and the nurse can address that quickly um, so it allows you to plan the other major breakthrough that it took me about, oh, it must have been about 20 years into my career before uh, someone, uh, Michael Greco actually, who many of you may have heard, I actually uh, introduced this tip. And that is to say, once you've got that list, to turn to the patient and say, now of these eight things, which are the ones that you don't want to leave here today with, with them unaddressed? What's most important to you? Now, they might say, well, it's, I, I must get my driving medical done, that's fine. And you might say, well, okay, that's fine, but I'm actually most worried about the fact that you've had chest pain since midnight. So, um, you know, you have your own agenda, you have a right to your own agenda, and you need to include it in, in, in terms of prioritising. But um, that prioritising question really allows you to provide value to the patient. They walk out feeling like that their, may, their needs have been met and also allowed you to then maybe reorganise um, uh, things that are further down the agenda. I find that that has absolutely revolutionised my consulting and my on-time running. And, and you, you know, you'll know you've made a blue when uh, after spending 10 minutes looking at a patient's mole, they tell you, now doctor, what I'm really here for, dot, yep. dot, dot, that's what happens if you don't get that agenda up front. So if you do get the agenda up front, you can often find that you can deal with all eight things by allocating them the appropriate length of time, or as you say, using other uh, the nurse or other people to do it. So 
by getting the agenda, you can get deliver better value for the patients by max packing, by allocating your time appropriately. If you don't have the agenda up front, no chance. Yeah. It's interesting, the Canadians identified this and they ran, I remember reading about a project they ran in, in Canadian, one, one, one um, region in Canada where they, said, they actually said to patients, you can only talk about one thing. You go to the GP, only raise one thing. <laughs> uh, I actually think that's a disaster. It's really annoying to patients. And guess what? They've then got to come back and have another appointment. So you actually blow your capacity tomorrow or next week or whenever they come back to deal with the other thing. If you can deal with as many things as you can uh, at that time, um, then yeah, it makes sense. So that getting the full agenda out and, and dealing with as much as you can is really important. We'll come to that a bit more later. Yes, you don't really want people to come back if, if they don't have to. Andrew, the yeah. red zone is an American concept of the doctor being the rate determining step in making sure you're running on time and the rest of the practice does everything they can to assist the doctor to running on time. So if you're sign of people not being in the red zone is walking up and down the corridor looking for the otoscope or the uh, Doppler to listen to the baby's heartbeat or has anybody seen the cryo machine? Mm. Um, mm. Doctors doing non-doctor things, doctors chasing up paperwork. Uh, really, uh, if we're going to run on time, we have to concentrate on the red zone. Mm. Mm. It's a helpful concept that our time is high value and precious. It's it's um, it's important to think it through about time that you're wasting on unimportant things. Um, I remember having a conversation with a GP about this, you know, saying, but you know, when you're taking the blood pressure and you're you're, you're weighing them, aren't you? Isn't that a time when you're actually building your relationship? And he said, well, you know, I'm much better off talking to them about uh, initiation of insulin or, or or other things that I can do than weighing people and doing blood pressures. And I had to agree. He actually said it gave me more time to do important things like talking to them than doing uh, these tasks. So, so really thinking about the use of time and, and that red zone, I think it's a very useful concept. Uh, and also we do waste people's time. You know, even the way we structure our waiting room, um, the way people have to wait to pay, wait to get registered, all sorts of things. It's worth thinking about red zone for patients uh, uh, for their sake and wasting their time. So Andrew, Mark Murray, the, the, the doyen of uh, access says that the value in general practice is the relationship between the doctor and the patient. And uh, mm. because all your patients end up dying, he says, so it's the relationship between you that is the most important thing. Mm. And the value is the time you spend talking about important things with that patient, giving them a richer, more meaningful life, uh, allowing them to, to develop. And uh, the rest of the time where you're walking around and doing unnecessary things is, is wasteful because that other time is so important. So we want to be in the red time, red zone. Mm -hmm. Andrew, here's, uh, you can also um, harness the enthusiasm of the patients for you running on time. And you've developed many years ago, uh, the famous 12 minute slip. Yeah, this is something that really helped me. Um, it actually came from when I was first starting to learn about quality improvement and, and someone used the five whys on me. I don't know if you've come across five whys. It's a way of getting to the root of a problem where you ask why five times. So my problem was I run late and they said, why? I don't know, consultations just run over. Well, why do they run over? Oh, we keep talking too long. Why do you keep talking too long? Well, I guess, you know, I find it hard to interrupt people. 
Why is it hard to interrupt people? Well, it seems rude to interrupt people. Why does it seem rude? Um, well, I don't know. I think they want to go, go along. And it, we worked through it. It came to the point of realizing the biggest problem was that I didn't want to interrupt people. And the solution we came up with was that we should tell people how long a consultation was so that it wouldn't seem like I was interrupting when I said we needed to finish. So we invented this slip and I gave it to everybody for two weeks and it halved my wait time because I found patients would start to look at their watch at about 12 minutes and say, you'd better finish, you know, you've only got 12 minutes. So, so it says, you know, it's annoying for patients and, and stressful for staff when we run late. We're keen to fix our lateness. And one of the problems is we're running over time. Just four minutes per extra consultation means the doctor's one hour late at the end of the morning. You can help by being aware you've got about 12 minutes, being understanding if the doctor suggests you come back. For me, it was effective for my particular reason for running late. Um, and other people uh, have said it's been useful as well. So we thought we'd put it in there. It's a way of, of, of harnessing the patient. One little wrinkle to this is I know now that there's online booking, um, I always tried to get the, the, the receptionist to say, oh, yeah, okay, I've booked you for a 12 minute consultation with Dr. Knight. So people know it's 12 minutes, but that didn't work. Um, so that's why I gave the slip. So, but now with online booking, you get a little message when you online book and you can actually tell people every time they book, it's 12 minutes. So that's another option I think um, that you can think about. And so the patients, once they're engaged in the process, were a great ally and to help you run on time. Yeah, they were kind of sorry for me and they would help me to run on time. Which I, I better get for. going now, Dr. Knight. Stop, stop, stop babbling on. I've got to get going. Yeah. There are more people to come in. Exactly. You know you're uh, running late. We've got to go. So, Andrew, despite harnessing the patients, waiting in the wait, working your appointment book appropriately, getting the agenda right, you can still, uh, max packing, you can still uh, find yourself running late. So we get to the point where our appointment systems need to reflect the truth. You've got to dance mm. with who you brung. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if this was your idea, Tony, but it's a neat idea. If you always run half an hour late at the end of the day, and it's completely predictable, um, and so, you know, you're supposed to finish consulting at five, but you always finish at 5.30 with your last patient, what's to stop you um, blocking out a three and the 3 p.m. patient and the 3.15 p.m. patient, just block them out, make them unavailable for booking, and then just add another two at 5 and 5.15. <laughs> so then, you know, at least for most of the day, you're seeing people at the time that's predicted. Um, it's a good idea. It's, it's facing up to the reality and manipulating your diary to fit it. Yeah. Another interesting idea. Yeah. So... So it's good. So we do that for the registrars, don't we? When they start off in the practice, we book them two or three an hour. Mm. But if I'm always seeing, as you say, my four o'clock patient at 4.45 and that's predictable, then let's put some extra blocks in so that we're still seeing the same number of patients, but the four, instead of the four o'clock patient turning up at four and waiting for 45 mm. minutes, they'll get there at 4.45 and I'll be relaxed. They'll be relaxed. We're running on time. We won't be. So after you've done all these other nine tips, if you're still predictably running late, then you can have some truth in advertising and rearrange your day so the same number of patients would spread out over a longer period of time. Mm. Okay. Andrew, so in uh, we remember in the Canterbury Health System, they uh, their motto when they tried to galvanise all their health professionals into improving and redesigning the system, the motto they came up with was 
don't waste people's time. So um, it's really something that I think that uh, patients understand that there are circumstances in which uh, doctors were running late. We need to sometimes give patients more time than we expect. That's understood and normal, but we can do that even better if we can take these measures to make sure that we're time lords. One of the doctors in my practice, um, patients are in and out fairly quick, smart, and they always come out saying, he's so thorough, isn't he? That Jimmy, he's so thorough and so excellent and so comprehensive. And I think, what a bugger. Here he is, he's <laughs> quite quick, but patients understand that he's efficient. And other, other doctors might faff around a bit and uh, patients know that. So we wanna stop the faffing around and be a bit more like, Jimmy, I suspect, and become more time lords like some of those other, uh, some of our colleagues seem to be. Absolutely. It's been a lifelong project for me um, and I'm running better on time these days. So Andrew, um, we'd be keen to hear from our attendees today if they've got any additional tips for people who are trying to stop wasting people's time and run on time themselves. Uh, we'd be interested to know people's own experience in decreasing their waiting times. We're always keen to learn and we could add that perhaps to our next article mm. on uh, becoming a time lord. Mm. Yeah, so maybe if people want to write comments in or I don't know if you want to unlock, unmute people now, uh, Sarah, if people want to actually speak. We've got 26 people. Yes, I can unmute people if they just hit the little uh, raise your hand icon, uh, then I can unmute you. Okay, Chris, I'm going to unmute you now. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, hey, I just was having some trouble typing my, typing my message in. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Tony. Fantastic tips there. Uh, one thing that uh, I've come across and started doing it's a little like your pre-planning is having a huddle uh, in front of the, the list with a nurse or receptionist, seeing who's on the list for the day and thinking, ah, okay, I've got Andrew coming in. I know that uh, he's gonna actually take a bit of time. How about you grab Andrew, weigh him, do the blood pressure, um, get his list of him. If you could document the list before, you see, before I see you, then uh, that will actually save me some time. Because there's always, you know, you can always look at your uh, list and think who could be a blocker today, only from past experience. But then you can actually share that across the team, and that huddle uh, working through the day only takes five minutes to think about who's on the on the list today. So that's a little thing I've been practicing. Nice. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I think those huddles are something we should do much more of in. In practice, we now work with the, on our acute days. One nurse is responsible for managing the acute flow, and uh, we have a huddle at the start of the day to, to determine how busy it is. What are the just as you say, and that's been an effective strategy for us. Having nurses keep us flowing and running to time, and often, uh, for instance, if patients coming in and it turns out they've got a urinary tract infection, by the time I've seen them, the forms printed out out the urinalysis is done and available to me. The prescription's just about printed out. Um, Patients appreciate it and it really can keep me in the red zone and, and improve our acute flow. And, and I can spend more time with the patients on, on, on giving advice and, and relationship building. Well, that's our time for our, thank you, Chris, for that comment. And that's our time for our lunchtime lightning webinar. Sarah, what's coming up?